This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, and today we hear about humans killed by animals, the deadliest. Welcome, everybody, to another episode, episode number 62 of the Visit the Zoo podcast, and I am your host and author of the 12-book, 120-animal Visit the Zoo series. My name is Frederick Fishman, and you can find any of those books on Kindle, in print, audiobooks, DVD, and, of course, I'm the host of this podcast. We have two websites that we'd like you to check out. First is our main podcast website, which is at zoo animals that's plural zoo animals dot info zoo animals dot info and on our merch site where we have a lot of great apparel and other goodies both on zazzle and amazon if you want links and also some examples of what we've got go to zooswear.com and that's spelled z-o-o-z-w-e-a-r dot com This episode is being uploaded on New Year's Eve, so Happy New Year's, everybody, and the best wishes for a healthy and prosperous 2019. Okay, we got a lot to cover, so what do you say we get started? With our new segment of news right at the top of what we're going to be doing, and I think we did this on the, not the previous episode, but the one before that, episode number 60, is I'm going to read a news story and then also give you the links, the titles, to some curated content that you can check out on your own. First of all, let me read this one story, and this probably will sweep the nation once it gets into effect. There is a new law requiring California retailers to sell animals from rescue shelters, and that takes effect immediately. California made history last year when Assembly Bill 485 made its first state to ban the sale of dogs, cats, and rabbits that don't come from rescue shelters. But Governor Jerry Brown signed the bill on October the 13th, and it now is in effect. The stores face $500 fines for each violation of the law, according to the LA Times. It will help the state cripple the supply of animal retailers who get their animals from puppy mills and organizations that produce animals in inhumane mass breeding facilities. So those days are over, at least in California. The Companion Animal Protection Society praised the passage of the bill last year, saying they spent years laying the groundwork for this moment. So congratulations to the state of California for doing that. Now we have five new stories in our curated content section, and you can find those links to these stories by looking at the description in the zooanimals.info site or by going to our new podcast blog, which is at vtzlife.com. At V is in Victor, T is in Tango, and Z is in Zebra, vtzlife.com. And just click on any one of the titles. It will take you to the full story. I've got five curated articles that I'd like you to check out. A couple of them are related to the cold weather that we're having now. Number one is shelter animals receive warm beds following community donations. And story number two is cold weather protection for desert animals. Number three 
of the curated content stories, keep animals safe in cold weather. And number four, these are the animals that went extinct in 2018. Wow, that's a pretty heavy-duty article that you want to check out. And finally, number five, ask the vet's pets. Dogs are social animals that should live indoors. Again, you can go to the description that's at zooanimals.info for this episode. You can find the list and just click on that. Any one of the stories that you want to read, and you'll be taken directly to the content provider. You know, there are lots of things to consider or worry about in this life that we're all going through. You shouldn't worry about anything, by the way. But getting killed by an animal should be far down on your list of concerns. But unfortunately, it happens. And I stumbled onto this article. Actually, it's a blog post from Bill Gates. That's right, the Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft. He's got a blog called Gates Notes. And what he's done is he's put together a list of the world's deadliest animals. And I'm going to go down this list. And these are the animals and the number of humans that are killed by these animals. And some of these are really astounding as to where they rank on the list. But let's start at the top. There are 10 number of deaths of humans caused by sharks. The wolf causes 10 human deaths per year. Lion 100 humans are killed by lions every year. Elephants, 100 humans killed by this animal every single year. Hippopotamus, there are 500 humans killed every year by the hippo. Crocodile, 1,000. Tapeworm, 2,000. The scariest roundworm, 2,500. Okay, now we're going to start getting up to some pretty serious numbers. The number of humans killed by the freshwater snail is 10,000. The assassin bug causes Chagas disease, 10,000. The tsetse fly causing sleeping sickness, 10,000. Dog bites, 25,000. And they have rabies, and the people die from that. Snakes kill 50,000 humans per year. And then we really jump up here. The number of humans killed by other humans per year is 475,000. And that's by traffic accidents, murder, war, you name it. It's 475,000. But it's not quite as bad as this little guy. And let me play you a little sound bite here of what he sounds like. I've got a feeling that probably got your attention and you probably heard it in your ear in the middle of the night and that's a mosquito. Mosquito is part of 3,500 fly species. They have slim segmented bodies. In case you haven't checked closely and looked at it under a microscope, they have slim segmented bodies, three pairs of legs, one pair of wings. They have feathery antenna and elongated mouth parts. Now, the mosquitoes took off on their own from other fly species about 225 million years ago, but there have been fossils found of these mosquitoes 90 million years ago. 
And it is the females that do the biting and the sucking of the blood. And when they do so, they inject their saliva that also introduces into whatever it bites disease-causing organisms. The diseases range from malaria, yellow fever, chikugaya, Japanese encephalitis, West Nile virus, dengue fever, Zika virus, and on and on and on. As a matter of fact, they will bite just about anything. They will bite mammals, they will bite fish, birds, whatever has a bloodstream or blood in it, they will bite. Their distribution is worldwide, including the Arctic and Antarctic, when they blossom in huge swarms for maybe only a few weeks a year. As for future eradication, maybe genetic manipulation is a possible scenario, but that's not likely in the near future. Adult females lay their eggs or larvae in stagnating water, and there are vector programs around the world that spray chemicals into standing water that may house these mosquito larvae to kill them before they turn into full-blown mosquitoes. Again, the top human predator, the one that kills the most humans, is the tiny, noisy, in-your-ear-at-night mosquito. And they kill about 750,000 people per year by injecting a panoply of deadly killing diseases. So that is all about the mosquito. And that's all I want to know about the mosquito. Okay, our next segment is going to be a continuation of our chapter-by-chapter read of Noah. An Animal Adventure Fantasy. It's a new fiction book that I wrote, I'm guessing, about a year ago, something like that. And I am presenting a chapter-by-chapter read of it here on the Visit the Zoo podcast. This is chapter number eight for Noah, An Animal Adventure Fantasy. Chapter eight. Noah was uncomfortable with the heat and humidity in Mexico. But when his arms dropped to his sides, after witnessing a monarch butterfly blizzard, the level of discomfort doubled with his new surroundings. He looked up and around at a new location, a rainforest jungle. His unease seemed to deepen even more. Noah looked for Manny, and he was nowhere to be found. Slowly but surely, panic crept into his composure. Noah shouted for his new friend, Manny, Manny, where are you? The only answer was a rise in the sound of the jungle calls from the birds, insects, and thousands of other species in his current location. He looked down, and he saw he was enclosed with waist-high vegetation. He was afraid to move. And then he dare not move as he began to hear steadily rising rustling of that vegetation. Something was making a straight line for his location. About 20 feet away, he finally saw Manny's head bounce up and down and then disappear as the meerkat moved closer. Thank goodness you scared me so much. I'm sorry, I just had to check the direction of Arnie. Who? Arnie. Well, who's Arnie? Arnie Anteater. And guess what he's doing now? Noah tilted his head and smiled slightly. He was 
definitely sarcastic when he said, let me guess, he's eating ants. Well, how did you guess? Manny laughed. His tummy shook as he threw his head back. Well, maybe it has something to do with his name, Arnie Anteater. Come on, silly, let's meet him. He talks too, when he is not eating ants. But he sounds funny when he does talk because of the shape of his head and his pointy snout. Don't laugh at the way he looks or sounds. Anteaters may not show it, but they're very sensitive about their strange appearance. Strange appearance, you think? Noah began to follow Manny as they trampled through impossibly thick rainforest undergrowth. The air was still heavy, and the nearly 100% humidity created moisture and droplets of rain almost constantly, even though the sun was peeking through the tree canopy hundreds of feet above their heads. It was as thick a jungle as Noah had ever imagined or saw. Manny, what jungle is this? Oh, let me guess. We're in the Amazon? Manny caught himself as he tripped over a tree root. Correct. And we were deep into it. So deep, no human has ever been here in months, maybe years. Is it always this noisy? The din of squawking animals and birds, almost deafening. It's a bit quieter at night, but that makes it scarier. They continued to move forward as Noah spotted a small clearing ahead. Sticking up along the edges of the clearing were mounds of dirt several feet high. And perched at the opening of one of those mounds, Noah caught his first glimpse of Arnie. There he was, sticking his long, curved, pointed snout into the opening of a termite mound. His tongue was moving so fast, gathering up dozens of termites at a time, that Noah could barely see any detail of that movement. Noah said, Manny, do you see his tongue? You can barely see it moving. It's moving so fast. Good way to put it, Noah. His tongue can flick out of his mouth over 150 times per minute. Manny stopped Noah at the edge of the clearing. He whispered, let's just watch for a second. We'll say hello when he gets his snout out of the termite mound. I thought he was eating ants. That's what he told me a few minutes ago. He's not very bright. Maybe he thinks termites are ants, and ants are termites. With a big proboscis like what he has on his face, maybe you'd get confused too. Noah said, do you see how bushy his tail is? It's almost as long as his body. Maybe that helps with his balance. He's not pretty, but for him, it works. Noah was fascinated by the strange appearance of the creature in front of him. He wondered how and why such a creature came to look like that. Manny read his mind and answered, I'm guessing, Noah, that he needs that long snout to be able to reach down into that termite den. He needs the tongue to thrust quickly into that den to catch as many termites as possible with each swipe of that tongue. And the tail? Who knows? Maybe it is long and bushy like that to swat away the jungle flies or to keep his balance but it's perfectly designed for what he needs to survive. And I am guessing, Noah said, you say that about any animal. 
It is designed and adapted for what it needs, like humans with our big brains and opposable thumbs. Manny let out a long sigh. Yes, but it wasn't always like that, and for some people, big brains don't help because they don't know how to use it. Noah saw that Arnie was about finished with his current pass at lunch. Manny, I think he's tired of eating now. Manny stepped forward a pace or two. Arnie, are you finished? In a high, warbling voice, Noah heard Arnie and Eater speak for the first time. Finished, I am. Arnie licked his chops, swung his head back and forth, trying to get that last termite or two hanging to the outside of his mouth. Friend of yours? He is here next to you. Yes or no? No or yes? See well? I do not. Noah looked down at Manny. You know who he sounds like, talking backwards like that? Manny held up his hand and shook his head at Noah. He then turned back to Arnie. Arnie, this is Noah. Noah is a human being. Arnie turned in a circle, then took a step forward to a mound about ten feet away. Humans, I know. Not here have they been in many days, but seen them, I have. Noah shook his head. This is very confusing. He's putting verbs before subjects and then back again. I am confused. Manny took another step toward Arnie. Arnie, may I ask a favor of you? Walking I am to more ants at mound, but wait, I will. Arnie stopped walking and looked directly at Manny and Noah. Forward proceed with your request of yours. Manny stepped even closer and motioned for Noah to follow. My friend Noah has never seen a beautiful anteater like you up close. May he come to you and gently stroke your beautiful... Noah whispered. No, he stinks. Manny glared up at Noah. Shh, Noah, he can't see well, but believe me. His hearing is excellent. Manny turned back to Arnie. He would like to stroke your beautiful fur and touch your long and graceful head. Arnie moved forward toward Manny and Noah very slowly to meet them in the middle of the clearing. Approved it is. Never touch humans do. I will experience that first time. And so the three of them met in the middle of the clearing. And for the first time in his life... Noah began to pet a live and in-the-wild anteater. He pet the animal's head, stroked its long beak, and the hindquarters. Arnie relaxed with the gesture. He seemed to like the warm touch of this small human. Think I do, this should happen more. Anteaters touched by human. Humans touching anteaters. Maybe humans touching animals other than anteater. Advantages? Many. Noah then relaxed his arm and hand. Thank you, Arnie, for letting me pet you. I hope you liked it as much as I did. Then I did. Arnie then straightened. Now time has arrived for more ants to be taken. Arnie, you mean more termites to be taken. Arnie looked back at Manny. There's a large anteater made his way to his next feast. Same in one, yes or no. Manny agrees with Arnie, same as one. 
Yes. Goodbye, my friend. The anteater did not respond. His snout and tongue were already busy working on the termite mound. Manny stood on his toes and quietly said to Noah, Time to move. Noah said, Okay, I'm ready. They both turned away. Manny grabbed Noah's hand. The nice factor for us here in South America is about to go downhill from here. I must warn you that from now on, stay alert and stay close. The next animals aren't bad, but they can be headstrong. Like I said, stick close to me, and the last animal we check out, well, just stick even closer to me and far away from it. Noah inched closer to Manny as they continued through the dense jungle. He didn't particularly like the tone and meaning of Manny's warning. A few steps more, and they found themselves at the edge of a small swamp. The water was heavily overgrown with thick foliage above and below the waterline, and the hot, steamy air was almost stifling. Manny, it's almost suffocating here, the heat and the moisture. Manny looked up and behind a nearby deep green leaf tree. He saw perched above his head two large blue and gold macaw. They were both staring down at him. The larger of the two birds flapped its wings and then leaned towards Manny. In a thick, intelligent British accent, it said, If you think for a moment, Manuel and Meerkat, that you are about to capture us, you and the human, to be sold as pets, you are quite mistaken. I will take out your eyes if you do. Manny held up his hands. No, Marcus and Melissa McCaw, I can assure you I am not. Marcus said, Then tell me why the short hunter is with you. Marcus flapped its wings fiercely at Noah and Manny. Noah snapped back at Marcus. I am not a hunter. Can't you see? I have no weapons. No net. If I wanted to capture you as a pet, I would have brought a net. Oh, Manuel, your friend has a sharp tongue. A very sharp tongue. Marcus shifted his position on the branch to move closer overhead to Noah. Young man, do you have a name? Yes, I do, but it is for my friends. A very sharp tongue indeed, Manuel. What is the boy's name? And what does he want? And why are you here? Marcus, you should be a bit more accommodating, Manny said. I brought him here to your home to properly introduce him. We are traveling through these parts. His name is Noah. Now please show some proper manners and decorum and introduce yourself now. Noah considered this conversation was going absolutely nowhere. Manny, forget it. Let's go. Both of the blue and gold macaws began to squawk and squeak loudly, as macaws often do. They are noisy creatures. This time, Melissa spoke up and said, Perhaps the young man should show some manners. Manny stepped in between the macaws and Noah, who was starting to lose his temper. Manny said, Okay, let's all calm down. Noah, please. Manny turned his attention to the beautiful birds. Listen, we are paying a visit to pass a few pleasantries, to pass along our regards. I'm sorry we have no apples oranges or grapes to give you we would if we could so we will say thank you for the visit and bid our goodbyes
The macaws were quiet as they studied the two intruders. Okay then, cheerio and goodbye. Don't let the tree branches hit you in the rear end as you leave. Manny said to Noah as they turned and began to walk away. They are difficult. They are more aggressive in the wild and more reasonable as pets, which they don't like to be, obviously. Manny continued, Noah, macaws are known for being somewhat difficult, but sometimes you have to be exposed to animals and people like that. Some of them are quick to question and criticize. You have to stand up to them and then go on your way. That's just the way some of them are, I guess, Noah said. Just don't keep them in your life, said Manny. Deal with them and move on, which is what we are going to do now with a bunch of crazies I want you to meet. Oh, great, more of your nutty friends. They continued moving through the jungle, away from the swamp. They are not as nutty as they seem to be. They're just in a constant state of, well, let's call it excitement. So they are wired all the time, Noah said. That is an excellent way of describing it. I can hardly wait, Manny, Noah said sarcastically. Manny stopped and looked around the jungle. Noah was so turned around, he couldn't remember the direction they just came from or where they saw the anteater only moments before. Manny, there's a lot of green all around us. Is this my route back home in here somewhere? Manny said, no, not quite yet. It will probably reveal itself when you least expect it. After several steps, the jungle turned to forest, drier, and not quite as dense. The forest chatter distinctly changed as Noah and Manny slowly walked forward on the fairly clear forest floor. The trees were closely spaced, and animals were moving from one tree to another above their heads. They both were stopped dead in their tracks when they heard a very close chorus of loud chirps, whistles, and calls. Above his head, Noah noticed a flash of white. Several seconds later, another flash of white with a rapid movement from a small creature and then another. Finally, two small representatives of this tribe stood their ground and perched on a substantial branch directly over their heads. They bounced back and forth, constantly verbalizing. Do they speak? Noah asked. Only to themselves said Manny. They think us inferior, especially me. They are called cotton-top tamarins, smallest of all primates. So, they don't care for meerkats or humans much, do they? They avoid humans with a passion. They know that humans can take away the trees where they live. Another group of animals losing the battle, Noah said. These one-pound monkeys are very endangered. Only 6,000 left in the world and only left here in northwest Colombia. Noah studied their frigidity and their movement and then their activity. They snarled at him and Manny. They are more amusing than frightening, Noah said. That's not what they think. They think they are actually a very complex species of monkey, which they are. They have a rigid social structure and behavior pattern, and they have good communication skills. But they are strange looking with that white top of hair and the bald face, Noah said. Noah and Manny spent a few more minutes studying the cotton tops. Where did they get all that energy to keep moving and jumping around like that? Manny answered, because they like to eat their fruit, leaves, and insects. 
They love grasshoppers, so they have to move quickly to catch them. It's just in their nature. Noah smiled slightly as he observed the constant movement. They sure are fun to watch. Manny walked away in the opposite direction. Come on, Noah, we are on a schedule. We are? Noah asked. Noah and Manny made their way around a particularly large tree and stumbled onto the edge of another South American swamp. This swamp had a distinct rotting vegetation smell. Manny slowed his pace. Instead of looking up, however, he was concentrating down on the tree branches. He carefully scanned the forest floor, thick with dead vegetation. He was fiercely concentrating on where he was walking. What? Manny looked up at Noah. When you see it, you'll know what I'm trying to find. A few more steps, and then Manny stopped dead in his tracks. He raised his right arm and pointed to a spot about 20 feet in front of them. The dead leaves and brush seemed to be slowly moving. In an instant, out popped the largest spider Noah had ever seen. The spider was moving toward them, but still off at a diagonal angle. Noah stood frozen. Oh my God, that is the largest spider I have ever seen. It's huge. He emphasized the word huge. Manny said, this one is fully developed. It is one foot in diameter. What's it called, Noah? Noah, you'll love this. It's called Eliath Bird-Eating Spider. Manny said, let's get out of here quick. Manny held up his hand. No, let's give them a minute. Do they really eat birds? Not really. They are called that because long ago, one was spotted eating a hummingbird. They eat mostly, though, frogs, lizards, snakes, bats. Oh, lovely, Noah said. That is really a distinction without much difference, I'm afraid. They are not venomous to humans. Noah asked, how about the meerkats? If their venom was injected in me, then I'm afraid I'd be done for. The spider then took a sharper turn away from them, and deeper into the forest it walked, closer to the water's edge. It gracefully lifted one of its hairy legs, and then another, placing each step carefully. Manny glanced over to Noah, and they both stepped back and wheeled around in the opposite direction. And as they did, Manny froze. Noah noticed, and he stood absolutely still as well. Manny whispered, there, on the forest floor, you see it? See what? Manny pointed to a brown and white and black debris next to a large tree that sat near a stream that fed the swamp. Noah squinted. He thought he saw a pattern and began to take a step closer. Manny immediately shook his head no. Then he said strongly, no. Noah tried to focus again, and this time he saw the outline of a curled snake. Its markings were dark brown, light brown, with some alternating stripes of white. It had a thick, heavy body and a large, flat, broad head. From his estimate, Noah guessed it was seven feet long. It was not moving, but it was breathing. Noah could see the regular rhythm of body movement. Manny whispered, it weighs 13 pounds. It has one-inch fangs. They are nervous, unpredictable, and aggressive when bothered, and they have killed humans, many humans. What are they called? 
They are the ultimate pit viper. They're the Terraciopiello. I don't like the sound of that. They are excitable when disturbed, and they move fast and strike fast. Manny then said quietly, And if they bite you, it's not pretty. Untreated, you can get tissue necrosis. Tissue what? Noah asked. The limb that gets bitten, well, it dissolves and turns black and falls apart. That got Noah's attention. This time he was truly afraid. His voice trembled. Manny, let's leave fast. They turned, and in front of them, even closer, another Terracio Polo. They turned yet in another direction, and yet another snake, and then another. They were encircled by a ring of a dozen deadly snakes. They had nowhere to turn, move, or run. No instinctively picked up Manny, cradling him, protecting him. Manny instinctively held on to Noah. Noah was truly panicked. What are we going to do? How are we going to get out of here? Manny looked into Noah's eyes, then smiled slightly. Remember, Noah, when I told you we are on a schedule? Yeah, but what's that got to do? Manny said calmly, we have a plane to catch. Noah snapped his attention away from the surrounding deadly snakes and toward his friend, cradle in his arm. A what? And that is a wrap for Visit the Zoo podcast episode number 62. I want to thank you very much for joining me today on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, our websites are zoo animals, that's plural, zooanimals.info. ZooAnimals.info and our merchandise can be found at Zooswear. That's Z O O Z W E A R. Zooswear.com. If you want links to those five news stories that I told you about in our curated content, you can go to ZooAnimals.info or go to our blog site at vtzlife. Again, that's V as in Victor, T as in Tango, Z as in Zebra, vtzlife.com. I also want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, uh, especially on iTunes or wherever or however you listen to this podcast. Once more, we are uploading this episode on 1231 2018. It's New Year's Eve, so I want to wish all of you a very happy new year, a healthy new year, a prosperous new year, and I hope all your dreams come true. Bye for now.